Welcome to Kick-Ass Radio, hosted by Joe Sainsbury, founder of Kick-Ass Women. Join Joe over the next hour as she shares stories and conversations that are both inspiring and empowering. Having spent over 30 years in the corporate sector, Joe Sainsbury kicked off her heels and became a coal train driver working in the rail and mining industry. It has been her goal ever since to empower and support women who are considering a career change into an industry role, making the transition as smooth as possible. Joe is a walking, talking success story of how taking the plunge into industry can open up a world of opportunity. And you can do it too. If you're a woman working in industry or considering a career change, this is the radio station for you. Let's get into this episode of Kick-Ass Radio. Hey there, Glowgetters. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Radio Show. Am I excited for today's show? You bet your kick-ass I am. Here's a grand, state, grand statement for you and one which we're going to tap in on today and that being, want a trade job done professionally, on time and with great communication? Get a woman to do it. Now, female tradies not only exist, but women are increasingly likely to take up a trade as a career and they are gaining high feedback scores on the quality of their work. So when you think of the trades, you may still imagine a cadre of men tromping around their overalls and tool belts. To a certain extent, that's true, but women still make up only 2% of the trade workforce here in Australia. So women can't be tradies. What's a chick doing with a wrench? She doesn't look strong enough to be a builder. Girls shouldn't work in such tough, dirty jobs. Any of these sound familiar to you? Most young women decide against a career in trades for various reasons, and this has a negative effect on productivity and growth in skilled industries. So why why are lady tradies better on the tools? Not only are lady tradies growing in numbers, they are proving to be better on the tools. So some might ask, what are skilled trades? Now, skilled trades play an active and an important role in the daily lives of people and society as a whole. Without skilled trades, we wouldn't have electrical wiring and access to electricity in homes and offices, nor would we have plumbing or the ability to repair our vehicles. The expertise of skilled tradespeople is vital to construction, automotive and service trades, all of which are vital to sustaining everyday lives as well as continuing growth and development. Now, in 2022, women once again should consider making a career in the skilled trades, a world where six figures are attainable and where training and qualifications can be attained in a much more broader spectrum. Now, although more women are pursuing careers in skilled trades, the current skills gap is calling for more creative and drastic solutions. There is still plenty of work to be done and not enough skilled women to go around. So, Even though there are still some would-be female apprentices who wonder whether or not the career path is right for them, while the skilled trades are a great option for many Australians and for young women, it can be a particularly rewarding and lucrative career. So today we are delving into the subject that I'm very passionate about and believe that we all need to grasp an opportunity that presents to advocate and encourage young women to pursue a career as a skilled trades person. Now, one such young lady who did just that is Hacia Atherton, who is at CPA, an industry thought leader in Courage, and she is very passionate about how positive psychology can empower the next generation of leaders to achieve their remarkable potential. Now, as an entrepreneur, Hacia focuses on inspiring people to overcome their adversities through her courage. 
coaching and speaking. As the founder of Empowered Women in Trades, her passion for courageous leadership through empowerment continues to inspire people across the industries, and in particular, women navigating their professional development within skilled trades. Now, Hasia envisions a future where women are inspired to take up apprenticeships in skilled trades, such as welding, plumbing, electrical, automotive, and many more pathways that women have never felt were an option. Now, she values that these women feel safe at work and return home feeling fulfilled from work they have done. Hasia's own story is of courage and one hell of an inspiring and heartfelt journey where she is most passionate about empowering women in trades and seeing more women in the workforce with meaningful economic opportunities and skills. You are listening to the Kick-Ass Radio Show Kickstart, where we talk about all things women working in non-traditional roles in varied male-dominated industries, and we tell you how it is. I'm your host, Joe Sainsbury, the Glow Getter. I hope we can keep you in good company today and over the coming hour. And a huge shout out to all the women working out on track and on site today all over the globe. Stay safe and have a fantastic day or night shift. And this might also be a good time for a trigger warning that today's radio show may and does contain some adult language. Let's get into it. Hello, Hasia, and welcome to Kick House Radio. Firstly, thank you for coming on the show and for sharing some of your valuable time with us, especially when we know you're on holidays up in Port Douglas. I am. I escaped the Melbourne winter for a couple of weeks to come up in Port Douglas, but uh, doing this kind of stuff, I don't consider work. So I still feel like I'm on holiday here having a chat with you. Excellent. Well, thank you again. I know you're super busy, but I also know that we're going to have a great conversation and enjoy your company today. So to kick things off, tell us a bit about yourself and your career as a CPA and entrepreneur thus so far. Yeah, so my career's gone all over the shop. I uh, graduated from uh, Wrighton down in Melbourne and I actually got into law. And after working in Owen Dixon Chambers and having a look at the commercial law landscape, because I wanted to be a commercial law barrister, and at the ripe age of, you know, 18, 19, it was a heavily male-dominated industry and the way female barristers were not uh, were treated was really, really bad. So I kind of shied off that career path it's really ironic what I'm doing now but I'm 34 I'm a lot older and a lot tougher uh, so then yeah I went into psychology management marketing and that's where my love for psychology started uh, and then I actually got academically burnt out for a bit and I left and did a year of fashion design which was pretty pretty random but absolutely awesome and it was really definitely, interesting. the opposite end of the spectrum there hey Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. I'm always being creative. I guess that's the entrepreneurial mindset. I've always loved fashion. So it was interesting to spend a year in in that industry and seeing what that world was like. Very different to trades world, I can tell you that. Um, And then I went off and did my financial planning qualifications and I became a financial planner. I only lasted a year in that industry because my personal values just really did not align with the industry. Welcome the Royal Commission and everything that happened there kind of highlighted a lot of the stuff that I had um, wrong and trouble with in the industry. Again, a very male-dominated industry and pretty hard to be a woman in that industry. So then I um, went back to the family company. So my family company manufactures medical infection control equipment. Uh, My family came over here in 1889 as plumbers in Melbourne and um, was one of my great 
great-grandfather was one of the founding contractors of the Master Plumbers Association, which was pretty awesome. So I went back to the family company and um, rocked around from different roles to a service coordinator for our techs and um, some sales and customer service roles and then started doing my Bachelor of Commerce majoring in accounting and became a CPA and worked my way up um, to the chief commercial officer of the company. And my dad was awesome because he's like, now you've got all your academic qualifications and stuff, go and learn what it's like um, to be in the factory. So he put me in the factory uh, for a few months uh, leading up to, unfortunately, which I'll get to, I had a bad horse riding accident because I was a very high-level dressage rider as well at the time uh, and I was training to go to the World Equestrian Games. But, yeah, so I got in the factory and I was 29 at the time and, mate, I fell in love with welding. You wouldn't have thought it, but once I got into the welding bays and got the gloves and, the you know, the welding helmet on and everything and did my first weld, I was absolutely in love. Uh, unfortunately, had a massive hex debt, had a mortgage, had all this kind of stuff, so I couldn't go off and do a welding apprenticeship. It's something I still want to do one day is to go do my welding welding apprenticeship. But it really opened my eyes to, hey, women can do this. Like I tried every trade in the factory, fitter and turner, welders, sheet metal welders, electrical, all those trades, and I could do it all. Yeah, not fantastic. I was starting and learning, but I could do every single one of the trades that the guys in the factory did, which really opened my eyes to, hey, girls can do this and love it. When I went back into the office and was faced with spreadsheets and computer programs and everything, I just wanted to get back into the factory. So that kind of led to um, establishing Empowered Women in Trades to open up the pathway and opportunities for women to experience that. And if they fall in love with the tools, that's fantastic. And it is, that's a, such a, uh, a leap from finance tools and literacy to tools and schematics or blueprints literacy like it is and it's a it's a great feeling I know myself from coming from corporate background and and getting out into a mechanical side of things you don't look back hey and you and you think well where have I been all this time why didn't I Uh, earlier so to have that um that light bulb moment and we and that's why we encourage women to go and pursue these um skilled trades days and try them get themselves on the tools and they'll be yeah very surprised at um, how empowering that is and what a good great feeling it, it can provide and then the mind the curiosity and the creativity comes from that saying exactly I can do this or I want to I want to follow it up and yeah and go for it so it's a, it's yeah. a great journey that you've done with um, with your career so far so we congratulate you on that but also as you said, your journey has uh, is one that's been fraught with many life's challenges. So tell us how your courage and resilience became such important values in your life and career. Yeah, so as I was saying, when I was working in the factory at 29, uh, very high-level dressage rider, and I was training with my coach and my young horse, she actually reared up vertically and I came off and she landed on top of me, all 600 kilos. So it was a pretty life-threatening accident. I got airlifted to Alfred Hospital uh, down in Melbourne and I got informed that I'd badly broken both of my hips. I pretty much crushed my pelvis 
um, had uh, breaks at the bottom of my coccyx as well as like severe nerve damage to my right leg, bladder um, and stomach as well. So basically our bodies don't like 600 kilos landing on top of them from height. I was conscious the whole time, so I remember everything that happened as well. And after a couple of days, because they had to wait for the swelling to go down before they could do surgery on me, as well as finding a very specialist uh, orthopedic surgeon to be able to deal with what was going on in my crushed, my crushed pelvis. But I woke up from that surgery, almost a nine hour surgery, being told by the medical team that I'll probably never walk again in any meaningful way. And from being a high level athlete that loved her running and her swimming and her bike riding and her horse riding and everything like that, to be looking at a life where I may not walk again, I was pretty, pretty heartbreaking and really mentally tough to deal with. So I went into a really dark place and I was in hospital for six months. Three of those months was pretty much in a bed, in a wheelchair. I was in adult diapers. I turned 30 in, in adult diapers in hospital with no control over my bladder. And, um, you just, yeah, you go into a pretty, pretty dark place. And I had really bad depression. I had really bad anxiety. I had just really lost hope that life was something that I could, live and enjoy I just thought I was going to have to survive it and I came across positive psychology and started to understand the concepts of courage and resilience and positive mindset and uh, the power of positive self-talk over that negative self-talk and step by step I taught myself to stand again I started to teach myself to walk again and after those six months I uh, actually walked out of the hospital room on my on my walker and everything like that but I managed to do it and since then I've run a half marathon which the doctors still don't understand medically how I managed to do that because <laughs> um, I've had 20 surgeries since then I've got two more surgeries this year uh, one of which will be a hip replacement I've got two computers inside me that work with all of the nerve damage and everything um, inside my body and things like that so but yeah each surgery I get back up I get on my feet one step at a time and go smash it out Oh, phenomenal. It's, a, it's an absolutely unremarkable a remarkable story and um, congratulations to you and exactly that we can't imagine or I couldn't imagine the, the mental hardship and mindset change that you had to go through and how it's, it's a testament there that the change in mindset and the positive outcomes that come out of that change in mindset and you you've definitely shown that there so a tough a very tough journey to live through but great great milestones and achievements now even though we are um looking at you and you you've just said you've got two computers inside you so how do you go through the airport um (laughs) body scan there (laughs) Yeah, I'm not allowed to. I've got like a little card that obviously explains the technology that I have inside me. So they take me and pat me down and make me take my shoes and everything off and put all that through the scanners. But I can't go through the scanners myself. So yeah, got to get to the airport a little bit earlier to deal with these nuances. But I'd rather get to an airport earlier and be able to walk than um, (laughs) than, uh, not get to the airport earlier. So yeah. And it's, it's great to see that through your courage and your resilience, um, how successfully you've turned a major life trauma into a triumph. 
So inspiring yeah. audiences across Australia with your transformative um, success is, is a relative concept which must constantly be redefined and that advancement in life is largely based on your ability to implement, you know, incremental goals, yeah. which you, that's what you, you um, promote and you encourage. So, um, yes, major milestones... Yet major milestones come from the hard work and in a change of mindset. And we all go through some pretty dark periods in our lives. And I can say that I did too. And it's become, you know, your darkest hour can become your catalyst for your most memorable and um, um, positive, yeah, positive outcomes. I think definitely without that shift in mindset I truly believe I still would be in a wheelchair or working with all my walking aids and things like that our mind is the most powerful resource and asset that we have and and it is and until people realize that um as much as they say oh yep I want to do this I want to do this but this is holding you back you've really got to change that mindset because until you do you will hold yourself back and you won't achieve what you want to achieve without that. Yeah, and, like, when I was learning to walk again, like, if I doubted myself, I had the whole medical team saying, you're not going to do this. Every day you'd have to put goals up and my goal would be transfer from my wheelchair um, to a car or learn how to put my clothes on myself without the nurse helping me. And number three was always walking and they were all like, you're really setting yourself up to fail by putting that up there. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work it out, you know. So it's that mindset and that self-belief, even when people are doubting you. Exactly. And I think that's, that's for me too, that's determination. It's like you're saying I can't do it. Well, I am I am going to do it. I think you, you also need that, don't you, to feed that determination to say I'm going to show them I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay, so can you describe the aha moment? And I think you might have already said that um, in your career path when you did decide to pursue those skilled trades. So it was it was obviously on the factory floor. And how did you start thinking about your own business projects in that same direct going in that same direction? Was it just from working on the floor and and gaining those that experience in the factory? It was a combination of a bunch of things. So obviously having that lived experience and my love for trades and particularly the welding trades and metal-based trades. I love my husband's a farrier, so I get to play around with his old horseshoes and get to muck around with that. So I have a deep love for metal-based trades particularly. And also through uni, one of my research projects was always around the financial hardship of Australian women and what was happening there. And I've always kept a very um, keen eye on, on it because it's just heartbreaking a lot of the statistics out there that are happening, especially with COVID. We're seeing the really high rates of homelessness among Australian women in their 40s and 50s and the trend is not going in the right direction, in my opinion, because it's actually increasing And then also the skill shortage, being in a trade-based manufacturing company and family, I'd always looked at the skill shortage that was happening in Australia and, again, trending in the wrong direction with decreasing apprenticeship rates uh, but also increasing workload in construction, manufacturing, mining, et cetera. 
And for a long time, we relied on imported labour to fill these yes. absolute vital roles uh, to keep Australia going. To you know, the trades are the backbone of, of right. Aussie. If we don't have tradies, we don't have our economy, our country, anything like that. It wasn't until I experienced trades myself that I put the financial hardship of Australian women and the skill shortage of Australia uh, together and go, hey, why don't we bring these two things together? Tradies earn awesome money. This could stop these women ending up on the streets or having to make the decisions if they feed their kids or feed themselves or having to make that heartbreaking decision if they do find themselves pregnant that they can't afford a second child or a third child and having to end that pregnancy because of poverty and financial hardship, where if they got into a trade, if they loved a trade and had an opportunity to be a tradie, they didn't have to make some of these really heartbreaking decisions. Yeah, and that's right. And financial literacy is such an important um, skill on its own to get a grip on, and we should promote that more. There should be more resources and avenues for in, educa- in education pathways to actually uh, instill that literacy into the young women so they go and leave school with that skill already in their pockets and they can and they can take it out in their career and learn from that and, and manage themselves so much better. But as you said, the the state of um, our country with homelessness at the moment, in particular women, domestic violence is just so alarmingly out of control and we need mm-hmm. so much more heightened awareness and uh, aid in all those areas. So if we can help Definitely. encourage women to, to take on these jobs and, and, and to pursue the apprenticeships and uh, make a life for themselves, financial independence, security and um, a livelihood, that would be uh, tremendous. So the more- Exactly right. You know, you know how hard it is to find a tradie. There's mm-hmm. job security out there. I know there's the transient workforce, in, especially construction, you know, the the job gets finished. Is there going to be another job at the moment? Yes, the pipeline for all the infrastructure, commercial, domestic, there's work for years and years and years to come for, for tradies. But same, like I know how hard it is to get a tradie to come around if you've got a broken broken toilet or some electrical things. They're really hard to find at the moment because of the skill shortage. So there is job security out there for, for women, probably more job security than in cleaning positions or your typical female roles. Roles, yeah, that's right. And like creativity and innovation have the added benefit of being extremely important when building a resilient and flexible business. And this is crucial for all industries going forward. So encouraging higher female participation in the trade industries and in the uptake of apprenticeships or traineeships doesn't only help to combat the future skills shortages, it can also create new opportunities for women to deal with this unique economic opportunity that's out in front of them. Like we said, a business startup, how, how awesome is that? you know, to see a lot more female-owned trade businesses turning up to the job site in their utes, in their work utes with the tools. Exactly. Yeah. And you can do that. Once you're a fully qualified tradeswoman, you can be a mum that works 
between drop off and pick up you're booking That's your right. own clients you're booking in your own jobs mm. yeah you've got to earn your stripes and for a while you have to work for, for someone but once you're at a point of a skill set within your trade that you can go out on your own you can have that flexibility mm. to be able to be an active mum as well as earning really good money you can do you know work on the weekends and different things like that there is so much flexibility at a certain point in your career within trades obviously for year apprentices not so much no. but just just the same at uni you know you can't go and walk into a courtroom at first year law you've got to do earn your stripes and trades is in my opinion just another four-year degree you take or four three years degree depending what trade you're doing you earn your stripes you become qualified and then you can call your own shots that's exactly right and we do and we all have to earn our stripes and you have to earn that respect but you need to take that time to actually um, absorb all the industry knowledge and experience from your co-workers so if you have a great team and particularly the older aging workforce that you're working with if they have the knowledge and the skills to pass down to you that's that's a great learning experience and you need to grasp those and as you, it might take an extra year or two years to to stay in that um, in that role after you finish your apprenticeship just to get that extra bit of um, upper hand knowledge and trade trade experience from that workforce, then you you know you step out and you and you you're so much more confident in in your industry knowledge that you can progress at a yeah. um, at a speed that you that you, you you're comfortable with on your own then. Exactly. And even specialising stuff like I know with my husband after a four-year apprenticeship as a farrier, yeah, you can do basic stuff and resources and things like that, but you don't have the skill set to do really high-level surgical work for horses that need special shoes or really understanding the movement of a dressage horse and what kind of shoes it needs to improve its movement and things like that. That takes another, you know, three, four years as well. So if, if you can stay under a really skilled tradesperson for those extra years after your apprenticeship and pick up those specialised skills, which, again, in a lot of metal trades, there's really specialised skills set as well. You become so invaluable. Mm, that's, that's so true. That is correct. So can you recall any times when you questioned your involvement in the trades industry because of your gender? Have you had any role models or mentors to help you out along the way? I'm very lucky to have such an incredible community of men and women around me. And, yeah, there's been times, certain things that have been said to me uh, on site that have rocked me a little bit. It hasn't made me question what I'm doing. It's made me even more passionate about it. But, yeah, it's definitely made me question myself. It's definitely made me um, question humanity in general, some of the stuff that's <laughs> that has been said to me. But it's led me down a really interesting path. So I'm doing a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology at uni at moment. And what I'm really researching in and understanding a lot is around masculinity and the different styles of masculinity that's out there, your more traditional masculinity all the way to more positive and inclusive masculinity. And what I've started to uncover and see is even with the guys out there, there's a lot of gender conflict between how a trade site expects a man to act and, yeah, yeah. be sexist towards women, have anti-feminine behaviour and this more traditional male um, mindset that men are better than women. 
but then out in society or at home or anything like that, they operate a lot more with empathy and compassion or demonstrate more feminine styles of characteristics. And this is really confusing for guys. So some of the men that have lashed out to me on site, when I sit there and think about it, I'm like, wow, they must be going through so much frustration and fear and uncertainty. And this is a really scary time for guys as well with women coming into their man's Mm -hmm. world (laughs) and bringing a different skill set to trades. Women do trades different Mm -hmm. to men. Um, We're built different. We think different. We walk, talk, act different. So we're bringing something different, which is not necessarily better. It's just different. So what the poor treatment I've experienced has really been good in a way because it's made me dig deeper into what's going on within the minds and the psychology of a lot of guys out there. And we know there's a big mental well-being issue for men in trades as well. And I think it comes back to a lot of this conflict that they feel of how they should walk, talk and act on site versus how they should walk, talk and act in society. And that's right. And there is a lot of social expectations around the gender. You know, the manual trades are seen as masculine professions, which means the young women generally don't consider careers in these fields because of that stereotypical perception. And um, the perception of the macho workplace culture is, you know, has always been in the trade industries and that they thrived on the competition and the intimidation and they often, you know, bullied and harassed so um, gone are the days of the sexist joke and the foul language or the chauvinistic attitudes, we would hope. Um, but there is still a lot, of, um, a lot of education in that sense as well. And there's also there's, there's been a turnaround, I think, in um, the, older, the older men now fearing uh, working with the younger, the younger generation, the younger women, because of all the the innuendo or you know they're afraid to have a bit of a joke with their with their work colleagues now if they are particularly you know the younger younger women because they they're frightened of they're going to say the wrong thing or they're going to be offended so it's kind of turned a bit of a full circle there it's um it's been accepted to a certain degree but now it's it's coming to a point where they're they're stepping back and it could be a bit of mental health issue there too that then they're not going to say anything or 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 act, you know, in in a certain way around the young young women in their workplace. No, and this is where, as women, and I try, well, I I do step up and do my best to re-educate men on site because they've been taught to create mateships through humour that is highly derogative or discriminative towards women. So for a long time, that's actually how they were taught to form bonds and friendships and mateships, which is a very key psychological need that we need to have that belonging. So the male strength of humour is actually a fantastic strength for men to have. They've just got to understand how to use that in the right way. And I use an example of a professional fighter. So his strength is boxing. He's really good at punching things and punching people. When he's in a professional ring, that's fine to use that strength in that way. When he's at the gym, it's fine to use his strength that way. When he's outside the pub and someone's given him lip, it's not fine to use his strength and punch that guy in the face. So just like humour is a male strength, it's absolutely fine to use it. It's just how do you use it and how do you change it to be appropriate for the situations? And, yeah, when there is 
uh, woman on site, using her as a vehicle for your humour is not is not appropriate. It doesn't mean that you can't crack a joke. It just means you can't crack a joke and use her as your vehicle for your humour. That's right. And DNI has never been more important than now. So um, the acceptability of certain behaviours, it and it all comes back to education too. It, um, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said there, and we still we still have a lot of work to do with that. But I, I, I see in some areas, as I said, it's gone full circle. It's it's gone to not being acceptable to being acceptable, and now they're on the other, they're on the on the receiving end of being, you know. Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, that's, exa- that's the right word. That's exactly the right word, uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable in the presence of the younger female um, workforce. So it's, um, yeah, we've got lots of work to do in that area in, in all facets of it. And, Very um, much so. <laughs> yeah. I've lost my train of thought there. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll continue on. Um, we might take a little break, actually, and listen to uh, uh, one of our sponsors' uh, adverts, and we'll come back shortly. Hey, Glowgetters. Have you heard about Kick-Ass Women? Founded by Joe Sainsbury, Kick-Ass Women is dedicated to empowering and supporting women who are considering a career change into an industry role. Visit our brand-new website at www.kickasswomen.com.au or follow Kick-Ass Women on Facebook and LinkedIn today to keep up to date with all things Kick-Ass Women and the incredible opportunities and content we have for you. See you there, Glowgetters. Thanks for tuning back in. And we are chatting to Hacia Atherton, the founder of Empowered Women in Trades. So, Hacia, introduce us to EWIT empowering empowered women in trades and tell us what it's all about walk us through some of the fantastic programs and services that you're offering and how best they can work not only for for women and the young girls but more so for the business organizations in particular how they can get involved yeah so I've really taken a whole system approach to this and we've got a range of different products and services that focus on the attraction of women into trades, but also the retention and promotion. We want these women to come in as apprentices and end up, not just even stay, end up as for people or factory managers and progress into leadership roles within our trade-based industries as well. Over time, it takes time to get the skill set, but we really want to partner with them through that whole journey. So if we're looking at the attraction phase, we've got our Trade Academy programs, which consists of a one-day tool skills day where women get to learn a whole bunch of pos-like mindset stuff around, yeah, resilience, how to speak up, how to stand up for themselves in a non aggressive way in a way that actually builds trust builds relationships and builds productive uh, relationships in the workplace and then they get to get their hands on the tools and have a crack at a range of different trades that we're showcasing within that day if they're keen to keep going at that some point some women are like yeah I want to go do a pre-apprenticeship or an apprenticeship and jump straight into it some women are still uncertain and some women just go nah it wasn't for me which is great because they've learned something even through that experience so it's for the women that want to keep progressing and a bit uncertain maybe around what trade they want to get into 
We've got a longer program called Experience Trade. Depending what industry we're working with, that could be a one-week program up to a three-week program where you get your white cards and everything like that. And the concept of that program is we do really deep dive in human skills, positive psychology. So you spend a whole day learning a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And then you get to experience, um, you know, three to four different trades at TAFE or an RTO and see what your life at school is going to be like and understand there is schoolwork, there is, Mm. you know, assignments, there's reading, there's classroom stuff that you have to do as well as where your skill set's going to go. So day one, you'll come in not knowing how to strip wires. Day, you know, last day you'll be wiring up circuit boards, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, we do, depending on the style of the program, some of their ticketed qualifications, so their white cards, if we're doing something in civil construction particularly, so that they can get boots on ground in the on the civil sites. What? And the last part of the program is exactly that, boots on ground, employer experiences, going out and seeing what that trade looks like in real life. And then we finish with a bit of a networking, meet the industry, get the local employers in um, to have a networking breakfast with the participants. And if they're looking for apprentices, plumbing apprentices, the participants are really keen to get into plumbing, then hopefully they can have a really productive conversation. And the last day of that program, we do kind of work readiness stuff. How do you write a resume and a cover letter for trade-specific kind of uh, roles as well and just help them prep a little bit for trade-specific style interviews for their apprenticeships as well. So that's um, looking at the participants and then we're just about to launch our uh, trade network as well where they can become members of that and we provide ongoing education around positive psychology, you know, marketing, if you want to be an Instagram influencer throughout your trade, how do you do that? And that is a co-ed membership thing. So we also start connecting them if they want some mentors to help them throughout their trades. That's not their employer. If they're really struggling with something in their trade at their employer, they can reach out to the trade network and get another tradesperson to help them refine their skill sets as well as well as that career progression so that they hear about those those jobs that are being talked about around the you know around some stubbies at the pub while they're watching footy and things like that the women might not be in that environment but through the trading network they'll get to hear about it through our networking events and then we transition into looking at more our employer programs so for a lot of our employers that are a little bit nervous about employing a tradeswoman, we've got different cultural uplift or cultural renovation programs to come in and have a chat to go through a lot of that discomfort, whether it's do we have the right HR policies in place for a woman, to talking to the guys about, yeah, it's fine to feel uncomfortable about this, it's fine to be fearful about it, let's talk through that and give you some resources. For example, if the girl's got a difficult name, some people struggle with my name, don't call me love, just say, yes. hey, I'm really struggling with your name. Can I call you H or can I call you Hayes or is there something else that I could call you because I keep forgetting your name or I really struggle to pronounce it? 100%, I'll be like, call me Hayes or H or whatever. Um, but a lot of guys who are uncomfortable just call them love or Han yeah. mm-hmm. and that creates a bad situation. So, yeah, for employers we do... Do that and um, a bunch of pod psych 
human skills stuff for the um, male tradies as well, just around how do you have productive conversations, like how do you actually have a conversation instead of fighting with each other about something that happened on site, how do you have an empowering conversation that is productive for everyone on site instead of just screaming at each other or yelling at each other or swearing at each other? Usually over something so minor and trivial, isn't it, like, you know? Exactly. And when that does happen, a lot of the resources we give um, to employers is, yeah, that self-awareness piece to go through and be like, okay, why did I blow up? What what am I actually angry or frustrated about? What's actually going on? Why did I blow up over, uh, over you know, going to Bunnings and forgetting to pick up a part and doing things like that? So that real self-awareness and just having um, emotional intelligence really and, and creating a brave space for the men to really lean into and feel safe to start expressing some more emotional intelligence. Excellent, excellent resource and excellent um, outreach programs that you're offering. And I know um, women need that support. So having a network like EWIT, it's such a, um, a, a tremendous um, fallback because we're not good at supporting each other, but I think we can be so much better at it and we need to be. And having that network, um, it's um, it can really help the women feel empowered and worthy in their field and it builds a welcoming community, as you said, where they, they build that, that comfortable atmosphere and they can come in and ask for help. And that's the number one thing. They've got that, they've got the... Um, the confidence they've built the confidence to come in and say, Hey, hey see, I'm I'm having I'm struggling with this. Do you know someone that can help me out in this field? Or yeah. So they need to they need to um, utilize such networks and communities like these in their trades and in their careers for so much more 100%. than yeah. Like, so many like the boys club does it so well. The boys are really great lifting each other up and supporting each other in so many ways. And a lot of women feel so alone in their trades. And yeah, there might not be another tradeswoman in that particular trade around you. Like you might be a chippy and you're the only chippy in that area, but there'll be sparkies or plumbers or welders or different things like that. And that's what we want to do is bring all that together because regardless of your trade, like there will be nuances to your specific trade, but a lot of the self-doubt, a lot of the Mm. other mental and emotional things that you're going through in your apprenticeship, feeling alone and isolated, other women are going through that as well. So to have that community to talk through a lot of the psychological things that you Mm -hmm. go through. And apprenticeship's hard. You stuff up, you fail, and you're on the clock, you're on a client's site, Mm -hmm. you're getting paid to do all of this. So male or female, there's a lot of psychological stuff that you go through of doubting yourself when you're doing an apprenticeship, and that's just being an apprentice. That's right. And that's exactly right. So with... um... With being involved in in that in that industry, that male dominated industry, how did you become so passionate about diversity and inclusion? Did it derive from a particular experience that you had? Uh, yeah, there's been some personal experiences that I've had. 
I've, I've had, I've lost some friends um, to, to suicide, which has been pretty tough. And as well, I've had some friends that because there was a woman in, on site and they were able to go talk to her about certain things that were happening and she was able to read some body language that was happening on site between two particular guys and managed to talk them all through it and things like that a situation that could have been really, really bad actually turned around and they're all really good mates now because of that female that had a different view on it, could pick up body language, could see what was happening when one guy said something to to another guy, could see his body language and see he was not okay with all of that. So I think it's so incredibly powerful having that diversity for our mental well-being and I think it's going to be a great way to turn around the terrible statistics we're seeing in suicide within male tradies and it's the suicide rate with among male tradies is higher than any other occupation or industry in Australia. But also like the businesses, you see the benefits for productivity, for innovation, to move things forward. And I think the DNI is low in trades in every single country in Australia, like the UK, it's lower than Australia, the US, it's really low. So I'm super excited because Australia was the world leader or second country in the world to give women the right to vote in 1902. And I see this as an incredible opportunity for Australia to be a world leader again in increasing the diversity within trades, therefore increasing innovation, probably developing new tools, new ways to do things. And we might be a little little dot on the map, but I think this is an incredible opportunity for us to be a world leader again. Excellent. And it is, and there's so much creativity and curiosity within so many women that they aren't taking that risk and letting it, you know, exploring it. And so many more need to be much more um, curious about things there. You know, they've got a general talent, a natural talent at. Exactly. And it could be just curious around work boots or... You know, work trousers or it could be curious around developing different kinds of materials or products or things like that. There is so much room for innovation and advancement in our trade-based industries on how we how we do things, the, the our clothes and everything like that. So I think with having more minds around a problem, we're going to look at different ways of solving things and different ways of improving things as well. Just because we've always done something the same way forever and a day doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. That's right. And like for women working in the, in the industries, in many industries, you know, inequality is the absence of a female toilet in your workplace. Inequality is having to wear a uniform that doesn't fit and that becomes a safety issue then. Um, inequality is the sexual harassment and the absence of effective policies to deal with it all. So it's um, regardless of how progressive our ideas about gender are, um, we need to take notice of the presence of all those female plumbers, female construction workers, female mechanics, because we would, uh, not because we would doubt their skills, but simply because they're the minority in the workshop and we need to improve that inequality and, make it as you said make it the norm make it the the norm that it's um it's not the past mindset or and 
it's just, it, and as you said, it's the little things. Like yeah. if you are an employer that is listening to this and you do have a female on your site or at your workshop, just check to see if you've got a sanitary bin. You don't have to go build a whole new toilet for her, oh, but just check right. that you have a sanitary bin because the amount of stories I've heard of women having to put, you know, their pads or their tampons in their pockets or their lunch boxes or things like that like come on we're Australia we're not a third world country so if you're an employer that employs a woman and doesn't cost that much it's not going to break the bank you know to go and get a sanitary bin it's a very small thing but it's a really powerful and meaningful thing for your female employees in that space so just just little things like that you don't have to renovate your whole workshop that's right (laughs) and it is it's you know to improve inequality it's critical that these roles evolve and more women are encouraged to go in because the evolution has occurred in these workplaces so yeah, as you said they're not they're not budget breaking items they're not budget breaking improvements they're just little little things that can make such a big difference yeah and the productivity that you'll probably get out of someone that feels seen and valued without yeah. having to say, hey, can we get a sanitary bin in here? Because no woman wants to have that conversation with the employer. Not. It's not a comfortable yeah. conversation to have. But rocking up to work and seeing it there goes, wow, they see me, they understand me. Like you're going to get her doing an extra five minutes here or finishing off the job and not putting through that overtime and different things like that. So if you, as an employee, you invest that little bit more or a story I got told the other day of a woman who was on trial and she, the guy refused to pull over and let her go to the toilet. She had a very heavy period flow. She needed to go to the toilet every couple of hours and he refused to let her um, go. And she felt absolutely mortified and horrified. I actually called up this employer and at the end of the day he felt mortified and horrified because he didn't understand and he thought she just, you know, wanted to get on Instagram, on the toilet or just, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, one, it's important that we have these conversations and men understand that, yeah, sometimes women need to go to the toilet a little bit more than a guy. Um, But that's just, look at that. At the end of the day, a woman gave birth to these guys. If we're not having our periods, we're not having babies, then the human race dies. So if we have to go to the toilet a little bit more, then so be it. That's exactly right. So there's, there's, yeah, those, as we said, those little things that can make such a huge difference. 100%. Just don't question a woman when she needs to go to the toilet and have a sanitary bin. Change so much for so many women out there on sites or in workshops. Yeah, definitely. So why is the skilled trades industry so important? How can we best strategize, focus or implement an action further education and skills to reinforce the opportunities within so many sectors for skilled trades persons? What's your thoughts on that? So I think we need to do a lot more work in schools all the way down to like junior schools and things like that. Stop positioning trades as some kind of second-class citizen job that you're so stupid you can't go to uni so you've got to go be a tradie, which is absolutely not true. I know so many tradies that are highly intelligent and, yeah, they might not be academically intelligent and don't know how to write a thesis but they know how to run businesses, they know how to read drawings, they're very intelligent people. So I think we need to change the stigma of trades 
at schools as well is very, very important and highlight how much trades do for our society. We could have all the doctors in the world, but if we didn't have tradies to build hospitals and maintain hospitals, where are those doctors going to do their surgery on the side of the road or on a dirt road? Or again, like we wouldn't even have dirt roads if we didn't That's have tradies, you know? Right, yeah. So I, Sorry, yeah, I was going to that's exactly right. Like um, a lack of credible and comprehensive information about work, what working in trades actually involves because trades were often seen as options for students with low grades and it's simply not true and it can be very damaging and it has been very damaging and misleading, hasn't it? Very misleading. And like I'm a CPA, I know a lot of tradies that earn more than accountants out there as well. So like there is a lot of financial benefits to becoming a tradie versus going down the academic um, route. And there's a lot of tradies that live fantastic lives, uh, not as stressed as a lot of people I know that have office-based jobs. So I think definitely as parents as well, taking the pressure off your kids to go to uni is really important and opening up career paths where your child will thrive and succeed and that's that child playing to their strengths if they love being outside all the time if they're really hands-on kids if they don't like to sit still for very long why send them off to university and force them to sit in front of a computer for the rest of their lives put trades in front of them, go let them explore that option because that's going to be the best and happiest and most fulfilling career path for your child. So I think schools and parents really need to start changing their mindset about what's right for our younger generations when it comes to careers. And there's another um, aspect to that too is they can go and do their trade and once they've done their trade, then they can go and, you know, explore and and um, experiment with so many other industries and businesses if if that was where their original um, thought, you know, of uni study was. But then they can do engineering degrees. They can do um, so many more degrees in different sectors. Yeah, exactly. They're working and, you know, and, and professionally develop on their trade. So there's, there's ample opportunity to build. 100%. When you look at the CEO of Tickford Racing, yeah. uh, he was an apprentice and he's managed F1 uh, race teams. Now he's the CEO of Tickford Racing. He started off as an apprentice. Like yeah. just because you start your career on the tools doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die on the tools yeah. either. And I know so many good project managers in construction that used to be tradies themselves and they're so good at their jobs because they understand what yeah. happens That's on right. site. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it's all about putting those putting those key words together of the industries like build, design, build, create and innovate. Like they all work hand in hand. Exactly. Very much so. And from from the architects or the engineers that are sitting and going over drawings and things like that to the tradies on the ground I know very much in the manufacturing space 
the engineers and the draftsmen can draw up the most perfect machine in the world and then it goes to the factory floor and it just doesn't work. And it's the tradesmen on the factory floor that is like, this is not going to be possible or it doesn't work that way or it's not going to be strong enough. And then they give the feedback back. It's the collaboration between the engineers and draftsmen and the tradesmen who are actually building it all in that innovation cycle as well. Um, and I think that's a really thing, important thing for businesses and society to understand is not to overlook the trades. And when you are going through design and build processes, ask the opinions of the tradies. They're the ones that are boots on ground closest to whatever it is that you're going to create. And they'll have invaluable feedback as well. So industry needs to stop looking at tradies as just just the lackeys that put together what they tell them to because they've got a wealth of knowledge that I think industry is not really tapping into at the moment as well. That's right. Wealth of knowledge and wealth of insight, as you said, they have the hands-on, they have the mechanical, the mechanics in their head, you know, they can see how it works or how it's not worked. They know textures, they know material risk, they know material handling, they know so much from from being hands-on. And when they see a design come out, they can say, you know, they, they can know, they know straight away just by looking at, at the drawing, oh, that's not going to work because of this, you know, that won't hold that weight, you know, if, if that bucket on that load has got to hold yeah. that concrete, well, that, that concrete's too heavy for that bucket or whatever. But they can see, you know, straight away from working in hands-on what does and does not work rather than just... So, yes, lot, lots there. But, yeah, I think I agree there. We definitely need to start at the junior school and uh, educate our educators that it's definitely a very well worth um, industry to pursue. And it's not just for the kids that, that aren't, you know, great academics. It's for everyone. I'm just saying male female you know very good at academia not very good at academia the skill sets that you need is to enjoy being active you know good with your hands good dexterity like there's a whole range of skill sets that make you a good tradie and they have nothing to do with your academic uh, prowess or your gender that's right so provide a firm framework for success and um, we'll have so many more skilled trades people out there coming straight out of school yeah 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 so what should a good workplace culture look like from your perspective then what are the top three things businesses within the trades industry can do to be more inclusive for females yeah so number one is definitely around toileting and toileting facilities and just making sure that the like, like trade is all around physical safety and having a physical environment that supports your employees so ensure that physical environment supports all aspects of a female as well I think is very very important um, and number two is definitely around valuing a holistic kind of range of personality traits as well so yeah having that kind of stoic self-reliance all that kind of stuff is great in some situations but often we need to have a bit more empathy and compassion as well so having uh, an environment that rewards 
masculine and feminine traits that are presenting in men and women. Mm -hmm. So a man that is showing empathy towards another colleague, don't call him a wimp or don't say, oh, look at you caring about that person. Like don't bully the guys as well when they are showing concern or compassion or feminine traits. Um, as likewise, don't expect women to show up and act macho as well. So I think having that mindset where you reward and value other other traits as well. And coming down to just building teams, focus on communicating, focusing on understanding as an employer what is the strength of every person in your team and allowing them to play, play to those strengths uh, within their trade, within their personality types, so if exactly, if the female does have good customer service skills, get her greeting the clients when they drop off the car, get her handing the car back over to them if that what's works well for her or if she's a really strong woman um, and can put tyres on and off trucks and cars or do things like that, don't say, no, you can't do that because you're a girl. If she's strong or that's her strength, let her do it. Vice versa, if a guy's very good at customer service, don't tell him that he has to do all the tyres because the chick's going to welcome people. So understand the strength, the, the technical, emotional, you know, personality Dynamics. strengths of your team. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Dynamic teamwork and it's um, each, you know, structure their teams based on, the skills and attributes of each and every one because each and every one can teach their their skills and attributes to the other. So what you're good at, you can teach me and what I'm good at, I can, you know, reciprocate and teach you. So those dynamic workforces and team teams are a must. And, um, and it's important that we change the perceptions. Like I said, that women shouldn't just try to fit in and be one of the boys. We don't want that. Be yourself, always be yourself. And, um, and 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 take on accountability and and ownership and um, accept responsibility and then output. You know, as you said, empathy, creativity. We're all we're all so good at that. But don't make that your go-to thing for the employer. Exactly. Exactly. And look. The thing around showing up as your authentic self, that's how you're going to build trusting relationships. Male or female, if you're hiding something, um, people start to not trust you for, but just subconsciously. So a big example for me, I'm actually a little rave bunny. I love trance music. I love going to raves, glow sticks, the full-on thing. In the corporate world, I used to hide that and that, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, just catching up. And I would lie. I would lie about what I was doing and I didn't say I'm going to some warehouse, rave party, things like that. And it did affect my professional relationships. As soon as I started telling the truth, I felt better in the environment. People felt better around me. My relationships at work just got so much better. So it's important for anyone and particularly tradespeople where you need that trust with your colleagues because it is a dangerous environment. So you need to have a high level of trust with each other. It's essential that we're allowed to be authentic so we can build relationships with our teammates that is based on trust that's right and creating a safe family friendly workplace where all employees feel supported and not intimidated they have that trust. So, yeah excellent excellent so what advice would you give to girls interested in pursuing a skilled trade career 
what advice would you give to the young women who are already in the trades or questioning their their studies? So for young women or any woman that's interested in getting into the trades, research, research. If you want to be a sparky uh, or an electrician, have a look at the different types of licences that are out there, the different industries that are out there and get a good understanding. Do you want to be in the manufacturing industry? If you want to be in construction, is that civil? Is it commercial? Is it domestic? So really explore all the different avenues that that particular trade offers and understand what kind of area within the industry that you want to work with. And then don't necessarily just take the first job or a first trial that's offered to you. Make sure that that employer, that that team, that environment is right for you. Just like any job, don't feel so grateful that someone's going to give you a trade uh, or someone's going to give you a go. I know it's so hard for women out there to, to find some trade jobs and we're working hard on changing that. But you're not going to thrive if you just accept a job because they're box ticking and they want mm. a fee now because they need to report or they need to meet quotas or things like that. So really make sure that the employer is the right employer for you. And similarly, again, for tradeswomen that are out there, don't give up. It's tough. You've got to be courageous. Even if you're with the best team, you might be on site and it might be someone from, you know, another trade or another organisation that treats you really tough or says says some really inappropriate stuff to you. And the tradeswomen out there at the moment, you're the trailblazers. You're mm-hmm. the ones that are going to be changing it for the generation and generation and generation to come. And, yeah, your names might not be put in history books, but you are literally creating history paving and yep. paving the way. And it's a heavy load to carry, but you're incredible, courageous, resilient women and it can be super, super shit and lean into your networks when you mm. want to give up. But just just don't give up because you are the change. And that's exactly right. And it's we need those women that are in those trades now as the role models because it's important that the younger ones coming up are exposed to those female role models and that they take part in programs and particularly mentoring programs, yep. buddy systems, networking events like you guys hold, um, women in trades and um, businesses. It's so important um, for the girls to see that that all that is possible and, yes, and they need to hear the stories of hardship and challenge. Yes, I had a tough time going through my second year of the apprenticeship um, I struggle with this, this and this, but I overcome it, you know. They need to hear all that because everything isn't all rainbows and lollipops and it never will be. And you, no. can't, you can't succeed without failure. So we all learn by mistakes, but they need to hear these stories and they need to hear them firsthand. So when we have a skilled tradeswoman that can pass on her story and her, her milestones and her, and her achievements, what better way to introduce into the... Um, into the, uh, mm-hmm. into the industry, yeah. It's a, um, As women, we need to celebrate other women a lot more and mm. not tear each other down and not have, you know, sh- shitty comments on social media yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Like, girls, just don't do that. Like, don't drag each other down like that. If you've got a problem, do it behind closed doors. If you've got a problem with another tradeswoman, 100%, mm. take it up behind closed doors. But stop slamming each other publicly. It's just just 
not cool. <laughs> it's, it's not cool. And it reflects back on what kind of person you are then. If if that's yeah. the way you if that's the way you handle situations, yeah. Well, that's that's not what people want to see. And that's not what employers want to see either. So if you're applying for a job and they go um, looking at your, your social, social media, media and they see, and they, and they see comments, that's exactly right. You ain't that you ain't the one we want. And that's you know, and that's another thing. It's um, make a list of the needed and desired qualities on your on your social media. Get rid of stuff that you don't want you don't want to share with people, you know, you're venting yourself one day at someone else. Get rid of it all. But always, yeah, yeah you know, behave in a most respectful and um, courteous manner to everyone. Everyone deserves to be treated with respect. So Exactly, exactly. And you can always voice your opinions in a respectful way. Um, you know, I, I've voiced my opinions towards many a men that have treated me or spoken to me in a way that I didn't uh, like and I did it in a really respectful way. I didn't call them names. I didn't look down on them. I just pushed back and said, you know, pretty much say, is that the way you speak to your daughter and is that the way you speak to your wife? Yeah, and and that usually is the biggest is like the biggest kick in the guts then, isn't it, when you are like that? Because then it does make them stand back and think, oh, shit, yeah. no. And look at the end of the day, if that's the way they're speaking to their daughter and yeah. their wife, there's that's, a whole bigger, bigger problem at play exactly than, right. than me. You know, if they say yes to that question, which no man's actually said yes to that question, but if they ever do, it's like, well, mate, yeah. you, you really need to get yeah. some help then. That's right. So what's your thoughts on women's empowerment in business? advantages challenges opportunities yeah i think women need to get a lot better at creating the sisterhood and the woman's club like there is the boys club there's so much that we could learn from men men are really good at you know if they get a that they get a job somewhere taking their mates with them and lifting their mates up um women some of the deepest knives that have been stabbed in my back in my career has been from women so I think we really need to stop seeing each other as threats or competitions and really start supporting each other a lot more Um, I think that women shouldn't just be given opportunities because they are a woman we should be given it on right and merit that said the men have been out there doing things a lot longer so we do need to have kind of programs that allow women to step up into roles and be mentored by men that were in that role and have that changeover and a woman that shows potential or that she is potentially capable for doing that role almost sharing that role maybe for six months or three months with a guy that is very experienced in all of that so we can upskill women I think I see so many women that are just given a job that they potentially could succeed in but not quite ready for and someone has just wanted to box ticks, put a woman in there and she eventually fails because she wasn't properly supported within that role. So I think, yeah, I think we just got to make sure we're putting in proper support, giving women a network, giving women a chance to step up and opening the doors not because they're a woman, but because they have the right skill set and then ensure they've got the right education, mentorships, support uh, around her to make sure she thrives in that role. That's great. That's exactly right. Um, Thanks, Hosea. It's been a great conversation and one that needs to be entered and engaged in and shared over and over again. 
We'll put um, your links up in the show to Empowering Women in Trades and on our website for anyone wanting to reach out. Take care and stay safe. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we, we wrap it up? No, just such an awesome, awesome conversation. I hope people got something out of this, maybe change their mindset around different things. And, yeah, just want to see more women picking up the tools and having a crack at the trades. That's exactly right. Um, thank you very much. We look forward to catching up again with you a little later on the year. and We'll see what's happening in the EWIT sector. So we'll hear from another one of our sponsors and we'll round it out. Thanks again, Hacia. Thank you. Hey, Glow Getters. Did you know that Jo Sainsbury is a published author for her book, High Heels to High Viz, and has been named an Amazon number one bestseller? Telling the story about Jo's transition from the corporate sector into industry, High Heels to High Viz acts as a guide for women who are considering a non-traditional role and career. High Heels to High Viz is available for purchase online at all leading bookstores, including Amazon, Dimex, Waterstones and eBay. Well, that's it, guys. I do hope you've enjoyed our show and our guests. A very big special thank you to Hacia Atherton for sharing all that goodness of empowering women in trades. So much invaluable information with us. And I hope you all have found the information inspiring and that it gives you something to ponder and perhaps feed your curiosity and action over the weekend. So why should you care about women in the trades? What does it matter if less than 1% of your bricklayers are women or if 99 out of 100 of your welders are men? Well, Hacia and I care a lot about women's place in the skilled trades. Now, the benefits of having women work in the trades goes beyond the narrow interests of employers and well into the good of both women and the economy at large. Women who develop an interest in learning a skilled trade, enjoy all the same benefits that men do. Skilled trades hold the promise of higher pay for less investment in uni than most traditionally female fields, such as nursing, financial and education, like we spoke. You don't have to go to university. The solid benefits and potential for freelance work or for outright self-employment with little cash up front are also a powerful draw for young women who might want to take a few years off to have children in their 20s or their early 30s. And these are some of the most productive years for uni-educated professionals. And taking this time off can seriously hurt a woman's chance of success in those areas. So as trades workers, however, sacrifice of a few years leave is comparatively minor and easy to catch up when the kids are at school. And on a social level, more women in the trades can go a long way toward improving how such work gets done. First, there's the good example of of a female bricklayer or machinist sets for other girls who might feel falsely caught between a life as an office clerk. So another benefit is the different perspective women bring from the men to the job itself. While it can be argued there is no female method for wiring up a house or stripping roof tiles, there certainly is a female method for talking um, the wife of a potential customer into agreeing to have work done in the first place. A woman's point of view can also come in handy if your company's work has an aesthetic aspect to it, such as tile laying or decorative carpentry. In a shop with nine male cabinet makers, hearing the ideas of a single woman might decisively broaden your offerings and point toward new ways to get things done than you just had a thought of before. So 
Empowering Women in Trades is on a mission to change young women's lives. If you know a young woman who might be up to the challenge of a career in the trades, you can be a pivotal influence in her life by steering her towards such networks as EWIT. To find out more about the process and how we can help, contact Hosea and the Empowering Women in Trades team today. As more women turn their hands to trade and speak positively about their career choice, it will help other girls consider a career in trades too. And it won't be an overnight change, but if we can all work closer with schools, then we can help to portray how enjoyable and rewarding the skilled trade sector really is. As always, I really appreciate you guys giving me your time to listen to this radio show. You can find more information on this episode with, with Asia Atherton and EWIT in the show notes or on my social media pages or visit my website, www.kickasswomen.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episode sent directly to you. And I'm just absolutely mincing all my words here. Well, that's it. That's all for today's show. Thanks for your company and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass Radio. It's not goodbye, but see you later. Stay safe and well. Keep in touch. Pause comes. Go on. Get your glow on. Become a glow getter. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kick-Ass Radio, where we kick goals and deliver empowering conversations for women. Want to hear more from Kick-Ass Women and Joe Sainsbury? Visit the Kick-Ass Women website or follow Kick-Ass Women on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. See you on the next episode of Kick-Ass Radio.